Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where I basically highlight my creative journey and, you know, extract the various things that I'm learning along the way, as well as highlight the things that I'm applying that, that you know, have served me well in the past. So last week, kind of an overall theme was kind of, I would say, submissions. What do I mean by this is, so I'm at the tail end of both my novel and my feature film, and now it's kind of time to try to get it out into the world. And so as far as the novel, I've been emailing various uh, literary agents and various publishers with query letters and trying to see what's happening. Now, here's kind of an interesting part as far as the literature world is concerned. I, I got some good news that there are plenty of agents looking for books to, to essentially distribute, right, for lack of a better term. And so they're looking for finished products and things like that. And so that's encouraging. Now, you know, I, I think in general, it's interesting. I, I don't know, like, by no means do I claim to be an expert, but it's interesting to see how, like, the, the literary landscape is changing where they are embracing digital a lot more like Kindle and so forth, just because like, you know, Barnes and Noble and things like that have been shut down for, for a while and, and whatever else. And so, you know, they're really starting to kind of embrace that. And it'll be interesting to see how things kind of progress in that way. But nonetheless, it's not you know, like from, again, I, I don't, I'm not an expert in that sense, but but it doesn't seem like book sales are as like affected. Certainly, you know, it's it, it's interesting kind of seeing book tours right now. For example, I remember Catherine Schwarzenegger when she came out with her forgiveness book, she was doing her her book tour all virtual pretty much with the exception of like a couple of appearances pre like lockdown. And there's other examples I can give as well that I've seen, but but mainly everyone, you know, they're still doing their book tours just just in a different way. And you know, that, that, that's kind of encouraging a lot of ways. And so if you're a writer and you have a product just because of quarantine and, and whatever else, that doesn't mean that the publishing industry has gone to shit. It's actually a very fertile from, from what I understand. And I mean, at the end of the day, listen, all you can do is take a shot anyhow. And so, you know, take it, right? And as I've always said, for me, worst case scenario, Okay, let's say like I literally got in touch with every agent, every publisher, and the answer is no. Well, then I could always self-publish, right? So, you know, that's kind of the interesting thing. And to that point, you know, here, this is kind of like a tangent, but I, I feel like a lot of writers, and by the way, I'm talking from completely non-experienced, but, but at the same time, I've listened to enough New York Times best-selling authors, specifically like Ryan Holiday, and he talks about like, the New York Times bestseller list ultimately is not uh, is not indicative of how well your book is. So, if, for example, one of the examples that he cites is The Great Gatsby was a complete failure when it came out at the time. And yet, like now, if like for all things considered, if the New York Times bestseller list considered perennial books, it would actually be on the top, uh, you know, the New York Times bestseller list still to this day. So, you know, never never judge uh, the quality of your work based on kind of ex exterior 
accolades or whatever else you will. And, you know, just continue to put in the work. And that's the way kind of I've approached it. And if someone sees the genius in terms of my novel, then, then so be it, you know, uh, but nonetheless, I have options and I'm not saying my, my novel is a complete work of genius. It's, you know, I, I think I have better in me, uh, but it is the best that I can do at this particular time. And I think for what it is, it's good. Right. And that's, that's how you should always approach the stuff that you're doing, you know? And I think, because I see a lot of artists kind of look at hindsight in terms of their work and they're like, Ooh, this was so beneath me and whatever else. It's like, you did the best you could at that point in time. And the reason why you can look at it like, Ooh, that, that, that's not as good as I would have wanted it to be is because you've benefited from learning from that and have been able to apply that to new projects and that has taught you more things. So, you know, consider that moving forward. As far as the movie, excuse me, as far as the movie is concerned, I've been applying to film festivals. You know, I'm looking at, uh, and as I stated a couple times in, in past vlogs, you know, some of these could be not happening, who knows, but nonetheless, it's all about just seeking the opportunity, right? Uh, it's going to do me no good to just sit on the sideline. And so I've been looking at various festivals in LA, in San Diego, San Francisco, Boston, or uh, Prague, <laughs> because um, that's close to Slovakia, which is um, which is where my family is, and that would be a cool like excuse to go visit them and, and see my movie. Um, so yeah, I've been kind of submitting to various festivals in, 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 in that place. And uh, I've also just been, you know, looking at more like indie friendly ones, ones that are looking for new voices, ones that are trying to highlight films that have been made on a, on a completely low budget and so forth. And, you know, for me, one of the benefits of the festival circuit, as I look at it now, is is kind of that ability to connect with fans. And, you know, we'll see like some of these festivals may end up going online. And I think you can still garner an interest in that way. But even if like, even if let's say you do a festival in person and you do it with physical distancing and so forth, and there's only, let's say 20, right? Just for the sake of argument, 20 people that, that see my movie. Well, for the price of an for the price of admission in terms of the the festival for what I you you know pay to submit the film you know let's say average cost is $50 well to get 20 people to sit in a room and really watch my movie and let's say I'm able to convert uh, 10 of them to really enjoy it and so forth like I don't know that just I I look at it from that perspective and that's a really cool thing because you know I do hope to make future movies and so just the ability to get a fan base and for people to see my work and, and pay attention and so forth and, and hopefully enjoy it. That's cool thought. It really is. And so, you know, in that sense, that's the, uh, that's the ultimate kind of cherry on top of all this. And, you know, because obviously when you set out to make a movie, you want people to see it. And I think, you know, too often and I, I talked about that. I talked about this in terms of social media, everyone feels like they need to get to a number. Like I want a million fans or, you know, 10,000 fans, even sometimes like just whatever else, right. They just look at kind of the base number. And for me, it's all about like, okay, let's say I get 20 people in a room to see my movie. And if I can engage them 
both in terms of the movie and perhaps the Q and after and really get them interested. It's like, that's the, like, that's awesome. Right. And now like I will cater to those 20 people. If they truly like my work, then I will cater to them. And, you know, and that doesn't mean sacrifice my, my artistic integrity, but, but in the sense, like I will focus on them versus like an arbitrary number of like more and more and more. And, um, and while I may seem in a sense be contradicting myself because it's not like I have these 20 fans to begin with, but it really is about being present for the people that are there for you. Right. So this is all under the assumption that, that people show up for my movie all, all under the assumption that, you know, I get into various film festivals, but when I'm there, I, I will be about those people. And I think that's how you have to really approach just your content and, and life in general, especially on social media. Uh, so yeah, I've been kind of doing that and, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens of it. Uh, you know, there was a, I don't know, May 25th was like a big, like deadline for a lot of festivals. Uh, the next one's like mid June and I don't know, it's kind of interesting to see the festival circuit because, you know, it's, it's been some time since like, I've really considered it, looked at it, uh, simply because like, I didn't need to, right. Um, Tim Ferriss often talks about this of like, just in case versus just in time. And I could have been, you know, studying film festivals for years on end, and that would have been just in case, right? Whereas now, like, okay, I'm, I'm basically completed with the movie, and so now it's time to, you know, just in time, look at uh, look at the landscape of things and kind of study it that way. And, you know, what's, what, one of the interesting things is, so there was this website without a box, and it was how a lot of people submitted their films, and it was a great resource, Um and now that, that actually went away, but what I've discovered is that there's a new service. Uh, maybe there's more, I don't know, but uh, Film Freeway is kind of a, a, a version of this and allows you to search various festivals. It allows you to, you know, simply submit your movie without having to do all the various like, you know, resubmission and filling out the same stuff over and over. So it's actually, a, you know, a very useful tool. Um, so if you're, if you're a filmmaker and are submitting to festivals, look, look to that. It, I, I can't guarantee it has all the festivals, but it actually has, it's almost like a Yelp for film festivals while allowing you to submit. And, you know, it's, it's got TIFF, meaning the, the Toronto International Film Festival. It's got Cannes, it's got, uh, you know, all the, all the major ones that you would expect to see. And certainly I'm finding ones that are very niche and small and so forth. So it seems to have a good range of festivals. Um, as far as last week, uh, last week was, was a good busy week, right? From, from a creative standpoint, uh, my, my friend Richard Vision, who helped me with the sound mix for, for my feature. And so when I've collaborated with multiple times, you know, he has helped me with my projects. I've helped him with this. He was doing, uh, he, he does these DJ sets, uh, you know, a couple of Fridays every now and then. And, um, he was doing one this past Friday and he needed a, a, a promotional video. So he asked me to do it. And, uh, that was actually a lot of fun. You know, it, it was like a 30 second video and yeah, it was, it was really cool. And it was, it was a lot of fun to cut that promo for him. So yeah, you know, uh, feel free, like if, if you want to check out the, the end result, uh, just go on his uh, Instagram at Richard vision. That's vision with two S's. And also more so, like, if you love uh, EDM and, you know, just, just dance music in general, um, 
him and bad boy bill uh did did a whole like hour set you know they would go back and forth and they live streamed this on facebook and, and youtube and it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, so check it out. Uh, the links are on his Instagram page and so forth. And yeah, it, you know, it was, it's a fun time. And I think that he, he does amazing with it. This is like the second one that he's done. Uh, and it was, it was cool to be a part of it in a, in a small way. So uh, what else? So less about in terms of creative, but um, well, I guess, I guess, I guess it relates to creative in the sense like, I know a lot of people are coming up with ideas and, you know, they're trying to utilize their time through quarantine in a meaningful way. And I think that's amazing. And that's what should be happening. But at the same time, there's like a, a, a sense of realistic expectation, kind of have to know the climate of things in a sense, meaning a lot of places, whether it's publishers, whether it's, um, you know, certainly uh, film distributors or even just production houses, they're kind of looking for things that are up and running or can be easily up and running. And so, you know, I, I was talking with somebody and, you know, he has this idea for, for a show and, you know, it's, it's tough to kind of, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's, it's, it's a little bit tougher to get things off the ground when, you know, you're starting from essentially scratch sort of, you know, meaning like you have to put the budget together and, and, and film it and, and so forth. So what I would encourage you to do is look for ideas that, that if nothing else are, are, you know, you can hit the ground running on and are simple to make, or, you know, dust off certain projects that you've had on the shelf that now could be viable, you know, that, that someone could just pick up and distribute or something like that. Um, you know, I could be off on that, but that's what I'm seeing from, from my perspective. And, you know, I think, I think that's a good way to go about it. Or conversely, you know, one of the things I was talking with, with uh, a couple of my friends is that like the, the advertising industry is, is changed in the sense how they're advertising because of, you know, what the various things that are go going on. Um, and so, you know, so the message is different, but, but certainly the advertisers for the most part, as I'm seeing it are still there. And so what I encourage various people that have ideas is to, you know, why not, why not see the various brands that are out there and see if you can, you know, partner with them in and create a package and then pitch it to, you know, quote unquote, a distributing platform. Uh, I think that's a, that's a, that's a way in. Right. And by the way, all these things in general are things that I would say um, in any circumstances, you know, like whatever, whatever leg up you can give yourself and create a package all the better because at the end of the day, I, I always talk about it's it's the execution of something versus just the idea. Everyone thinks like their idea is so novel, and you know while that listen that's that's fine. But what's worse is that they hoard that idea as if it's the most precious thing in existence. And it's like no, like if you have a great idea, like go execute it, like get the people around it, like share it, spread it, get get people. Uh, sorry to use this term, especially, you know, right in this pandemic, but, but, but get people infectious, you know, over, over that idea. So, you know, just, just something to think about kind of as you, as you move forward and, and, and whatnot. Um, the other, as far as creativity, so uh, just kind of a quick touch point. 
you know, I, I've been primarily still working on the sound for my feature film. It, you know, we're getting continually closer and closer to, to an end product. And, and really the sound is like the last little bit of it. And in fact, uh, I'm, I'm excited because I'm going to have the, the sound designer, uh, Edgar is his name. I'm going to have him on my show. Um, not, not sure exactly when, but in, in the future, certainly. And, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of talk about it. And one of the things I love about him is, you know, I've, I've talked about this before, but the care that he puts into it. And, you know, one of the things that he appreciates about our working relationship is that I also, as best as I can, because he's remote. And even if it wasn't for quarantine, like he, he lives in another country. So, you know, we, we would have, we have to still kind of work remote. And oftentimes when, when you do that, it, doesn't make the experience uh, as, as like there's no humanity to it. I'm, maybe that's not the right term exactly, but but the point being, it, it feels very distanced, right? It feels very robotic of like you're just passing notes back and forth, you know, and like it's almost like you're inputting notes into a machine. And what I appreciate, uh, you know, at least the way I try to approach, it, I do try to approach it from a collaborative standpoint. It seems like he's really respecting that, and certainly he's doing his part where. Uh, he's bringing stuff to the table and, and I, he's p- giving it as all. So I truly, truly appreciate that about that. Um, you know, so as far as that, uh, you know, I've, I've essentially tabled the, or put a pin rather on the trailer until the sound is, is complete because the trailer is never going to com- be complete without the sound. And, you know, that also gives me the opportunity to, to take a step back from the trailer, I'd been working on the trailer for a couple of weeks, you know, uh, a little bit ago. And, you know, when you're doing that, sometimes it's difficult to see the trees from the forest. And so now I'm going to have the ability to, to really look at it with a fresh pair of eyes and be like, okay, what, what's missing, what needs to be switched and so forth. So that's going to be uh, interesting to to tackle. So, you know, in the next week or two, I'm going to, uh, even if the sound's not completely done, I'm going to kind of just revisit the trailer and make adjustments and kind of continue from there. Um, but yeah, strategically I've taken a step back from the trailer for that reason. Uh, so another kind of exciting thing this week, I will actually be interviewing, uh, my editor of my novel, Emily, and it's going uh, it's going to be fun to get to know her. A little bit more. Uh, there's so many like weird similarities. So she has the same exact birthday as me. So November 10th. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, yeah, she, she's really a cool person that I've gotten to know throughout the process of writing the novel. And, you know, what's kind of interesting is I, I had her give me feedback on my script outline for the, for the new script that I'm working on. And, you know, I started, I got about, uh, I got about 12, no, 19 pages, I'm sorry, 19 pages written out as of now. And it, essentially in film script or the film world, a page of script equals a minute of screen time. So 19 pages equals about 19 minutes. You know, the goal is to get to, you know, at, for me at most uh, 120 pages because that would be essentially a two hour movie. My, my ideal would be like an hour and 45, but again, uh, I'm less concerned about that. I'm more concerned about writing a good story, but the point being, you know, I, I had all these pages written and I'm going to continue writing and things like that, but just our, our, our working relationship has been so wonderful on the novel. And even though filmmaking, uh, and just 
screenwriting period is new to her, the skills translate to me. A storyteller is a storyteller and, you know, the, the mechanics of it, I know I can teach her. And so I asked her like, hey, you know, I know this is new to you, but like, would you want to work with me on this project as well? And she said, as long as you're, you know, kind of <laughs> willing to be patient with me in terms of the learning curve, then then she's up for it. And I said, you know, absolutely, because I know what she's capable of. And, you know, she fills the gaps that, you know, in terms of dialogue and, and whatever else, like she's, she's really good at, at, at punching up the ideas, like, you know, in terms of how I, how I operate. And so it'll be cool to get her feedback, you know, cause at the end of the day, like for me, when I write, I, I have these ideas and so forth. And so a lot of times, like whether it's uh, the actions or the dialogue, I just kind of, you know, from a, from a base level, just put down the idea of like what it's supposed to be. Sometimes the dialogue is like way too on the nose, way too expository, but it's like, this is where it's supposed to be headed. And, you know, I just kind of get through it in terms of like just putting out like the details and whatever else. And then she has a way of punching it up. So I'm, I'm excited to, to work with her on this and also to interview her. So um, that'll be a lot of fun. The other thing, um, so people have asked me uh, kind of through DMs and so forth, like my thoughts on the Joe Rogan Spotify deal. And I think there's other people that have talked about it far better than me, Gary V in particular. So, and um, in, fact, in fact, Eric Weinstein on a podcast with Ryan Holiday, they talked about it um, as well. And I think they had a good perspective. And so, you know, I, I, I'm, I, some, some, there would be times like I would do a whole separate episode on my thoughts just about that. But I figured, let me just lump it in here. Uh, so, you know, one of the interesting parts is like from Gary's, Gary Vee's perspective is that he he essentially Joe Rogan uh, reverse engineered this whole thing, meaning, you know, he just kept putting out, you know, content and, and doing X, Y and Z and like just building up his um, cultural relevance or, or like footprint, however you want to sort of term it. And they got just so huge that a Spotify couldn't help but take notice of him. And so uh, the exclusivity of it is, is reversed. Whereas like Howard Stern, you know, he started off exclusive and, and kind of remained exclusive. And again, I'm, I'm kind of butchering it in, in some sense. I really just encourage you to check out like Gary Vee because he's talked about this multiple times. And in fact, he predicted this. But, you know, for, for, for me, as far as like when people ask me, like, what are your thoughts? It's to me, it's all about just just you don't know what's going to hit. And so just, just continue to, to do things that are interest to you, do them with fervor and, you know, just, just, just continue doing it. And if you kind of, the other interesting fact is like Joe Rogan is 52 years old. And if you look at kind of, uh, historically, right, this, this is like an empirical fact, you know, most people start like their full contribution at like the age of 50. And, you know, all the other stuff before, it's not to say like you can't have an impact before that, but in a weird sense, it's like all that stuff is preparing you for something. So like Joe Rogan, you know, he's done his podcast. He, you know, he was on Fear Factor and like involved with the UFC and, and so forth, right? All these things were contributions that he had towards the world, but now like this is his thing, you know? And, and also too, like, I mean, the guy's almost done basically, uh, 
1,500 podcasts, episodes of his podcast before this deal came along. And so, you know, really consider that number because so many people, they just start something and, and expect it to hit like within like three episodes, whatever the case may be, within the first couple of months. And they get so discouraged. And, and you know, I, I actually feel for the people that do something for like 10, 15 years and feeling like they've been pounding the pavement and it hasn't quite hit for them. Those are the people I really feel for because, you know, they, they continue to put in that time and effort, but, but it's, it's, it's really the only way you can kind of go about it. And, you know, you never know when something's going to hit. So, so just continue moving forward and understand that like a lot of great things for most successful people happen. Starting age is really 50. If you just look at it historically, right? Uh, you know, one, one, one quick other thing about Joe Rogan, and then um, I want to talk about how the, the 50 thing uh, actually ties in to something else. But uh, the other thing about Joe Rogan, he's, he's always very curious. You know, if you listen to his show, there's, there's nothing that the guests generally say that he does not have at least some knowledge of. And if he doesn't, he's always very curious. And I think that really helps. Uh, I think too many people try to put on a certain act Sometimes, and when in reality, just just be curious and continue to learn, and that's the cool part about Joe Rogan. Now, going back to so the the idea of like uh, you know fifty and so forth. So I, I recently just finished a novel called Paris by Edward Rutherford, and uh, he's someone that writes historical fiction. He's done you know novels about uh, Russia and Ireland. He did a novel called New York. He's done novels about London. So he basically picks a city and kind of contextualizes, um, you know, his fiction around like that specific city. And so, you know, there's, there's very like in, in terms of Paris, Paris, it, you know, kind of grows along with the characters and so forth. And he's able to, it's, it's just really amazing what he's able to do. But one of the things, so like Paris, for example, spans from like, the, the Middle Ages all the way to like post World War II. And it's really interesting to listen, like listen to the dead. What I mean by like, even though his novel is fiction, I think too many of us are listening to things of now. When in fact, like, and, and, and that brings like, whenever I talk to my friends, there's a lot of anxiety about things because they're kind of facing it from the viewpoint of just, just seeing now, right? They've got these uh, blinders on and all they see is like their lifespan. And sure, they, they, you know, hear the various people around them that might be mentors, that might be older. But but if you expand your vision and really look at the contextualization of like human history and, you know, even Paris, like it, it only went from, as I said, like, the uh, you know, uh, 1400s to... 1962 was like the last year that the novel decided to tackle. Um, but even so, like it, it just like seeing how Paris really grew and, you know, families within the novel that are fictionalized, like the, the generations of them. And like, you start to kind of really look at things from a different lens. Once you see it from the eyes of someone that's like, again, so learning, like learning from one, who's, who's dead is, you know, I, I know that might sound grim, but it's actually wonderful because what you start to realize is our problems are not that different. 
the, the contextualization of our problems may be different, but how, the, you know, how we can approach solutions and so forth is really not that different. And when you start to see like people have faced this, you know, these sort of problems throughout millennia really puts things in perspective and kind of eases you and allows you to find a solution. And, you know, one of the ways that, that I've been applying this to my life is just biking. You know, I mean, how many people tout like uh, just exercise as a form of meditation? And certainly biking falls into that category. So, and it's something that I enjoy. And so I, I continue to do it uh, now more so than ever because it just grounds me, right? And that that that's an amazing thing. And so, you know, I mean, it's not advice that you couldn't get from, from even just the people from the years that you've lived. But certainly when you see it reinforce that idea that, that exercise is good for the mind and the spirit, and you see it throughout all of like, you know, even down to the Greeks, the Romans and so forth, you're like, wow, okay, there's, there's got to be something to this. I don't know. It, it just it just does something to you, right? Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been biking and that, that's really been amazing. Uh, and the last thing I'll sort of leave on is it was great um, last week. I texted Dimitri Panos and Marissa Serafini, who I used to host a show with uh, called Anatomy of Movie. We did it for over five years, I think even six, maybe even seven. I'm not exactly sure, but but nonetheless, uh, it's been a while since we like did anything together uh, in terms of a show. And what we used to, Anatomy of Movie was a movie discussion show. So we would, I, I don't want to use the word review because we did a lot more than that. We gave our opinions but we also dissected why we thought things did work or why they didn't work. And we also talked about it from the perspective of how the filmmakers approach certain things and, and highlighted the spirit of filmmaking in general, because, you know, it's really difficult to make a movie. No one sets out to make a bad movie. And, and so it, it's always interesting to learn, uh, learning about the process. And so we tried to bring that to light. Uh, anyways, check out all the old anatomy of movies. But the point of this story is that it had been a while since we had done a show. And so I texted them and I said, Hey, do you guys want to do something like essentially like let's just talk movies. It's just an excuse to get the band back together. And we had come up with this idea that like, we'll all present three films that we recommend to people and you know, totaling for nine, nine films. And that was a lot of fun. We did about an hour of that. And then we did kind of like an after dark segment where we just talked about, you know, past memories and of the show and so forth. And, you know, I think it, 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 I released it. I released it on Monday of this week, and it seems to be doing pretty well. Uh, I would encourage you to check it out if you're a movie fan. Just want to kind of hear some cool recommendations, and by all means, you're welcome to, you know, comment with your recommendations as well. Uh, there's already a few recommendations that have come in that are fantastic that I, of movies that I haven't even heard of. So, uh, you know, that that's. I love, I love when the film community can really rise to the occasion versus trolling. And that's what I loved about anatomy and movies. I think we had managed to build a wonderful community of film lovers. Anyway, that's kind of what I have for you today. As far as, you know, what, what my last week has been like, you know, moving into this week in terms of my goals, it's going to be continuing to, to write the script, continue to work on the sound. Uh, I actually have to do some punching up of my novels, so I'm going to try to tackle 
all the very all the notes that I still have left to do this coming weekend, or at the very least, as many as I can. But yeah, you know, I'll, I'll report back next week as far as the success or unsuccessfulness of, of that venture. But we'll see, you know. Uh, anyway, hope you learned something. Hope you have been inspired in some small way. And I hope to see you next time.